Good morning. It's good to be together, isn't it? Uh, last week, uh, Thomas uh, showed what a good uh, school teacher he was. Right at the start, he directed us to the page number in our uh, 40 Days of Prayer workbook. So if you're taking notes of your sermons today, I'd encourage you to open that up. And there's a spot for you to, uh, to be able to record in there, page 117. Uh, we're up to week five. So let me ask you, how do you cope with roadworks? You know, how do you cope with these uh, images of uh, stop-go signs um, that will be coming up for us? Um, we run into roadworks all the time. Perhaps the most frustrating ones I've encountered are those in the outback, you know, where they're doing kilometre after kilometre of road and they, and they shut the whole road and divert you onto a, a track that goes up the side for, for many kilometres. And I remember coming... Um, along this outback road and here was one of these uh, traffic, automatic traffic signs, you know, they, they roll in and it was on red. The only car around, couldn't see any road work anywhere, none in sight. Not another car, just this road that was blocked except for this track that ran along the side and a red light. And we sat there and we sat there and we sat there, three or four minutes passed. And I started to think, this light must be broken. It's never going to work again. I don't think it's actually going to turn green. A little couple of minutes later, another car came up behind. Minutes after that, another car. Nothing had still come the other way. And here we are at this stop sign. Now, I was very tempted just to go. But I thought, I know what's out here. There are road trains that come through here. I'll start to make a move and something will come the other way. I'll just sit there. We sat there 10 to 15 minutes and then the light went green. You'll be pleased to know we're able to move on. And it was five and a half kilometres long, this roadworks. Five and a half kilometres long in the middle of nowhere and we were stuck at this red light. Do you ever get the feeling that that's where you are in your prayers? You come to the Lord, you've been praying. There doesn't seem to be an apparent answer. You certainly haven't got the, the uh, indication you should be moving ahead. The road in front seems to be blocked, so unsure. You can't turn around and go back because there are things that have filled in behind you and you're stuck. You seem to be stuck. We're going to look at what happens when God says no. Time and time in the Bible, we are assured that God hears our prayers and answers them. Prophet Jeremiah said, um, this is what the Lord says, says Jeremiah, call upon me and I will answer you. I will answer you. Not that I might answer you, I will answer you. And we can be assured of that. A couple of weeks ago, Keith in his message um, said that there were four different ways that God answers our prayer. No, slow, grow or go. No, slow, grow or go. So what happens when we get a no from the Lord? When our prayers are basically, no, you thought you were going to go that way, but here's a door that is being slammed shut. How do we cope with that? We had planned to do this message when God says no at the end of the series. And then I thought, well, each and every week we are coming forward with our prayer requests. We're putting them into this prayer box and I encourage us to keep doing that. Let's fill this box as well as we bring our prayer requests before God. But I thought if we leave this to the end and then we say, okay, 
God might say no. How do we cope with that? The reality of the matter is God may say no to us as we put a request before him, but he'll always give us an answer. So I'd rather address this in the middle so we can be processing this as we go through on our journey. So why does God say no? Well, I've got no answer for that. I've got no idea. I'm not suggesting we should all go home. But what I'm saying is that God deals with each of us individually. His answer for putting a halt sign or a stop sign in front of each of us is going to be completely different for each one of us because God deals with us uniquely. We're on our own personal journey with God and God wants us to wait on him, listen to him and take hold of what he's saying. And to answer that question as to why God says no implies that I know everything about God. But who can understand the mind of the Lord? And who has been his counsellor? Writes Isaiah. In another way, Isaiah says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. But while we can't answer the question specifically about why God says no, we need to address some of the issues. And we need, we need to open ourselves up to grow during that experience because unanswered prayer can be very confusing. And if God is a truly loving God, and if God is all-powerful, and God says, ask and you shall receive, why is my request denied? Why is it that some people get miracles and others don't? Why is it that we can pray for people who are sick and some are healed and yet others die? And we've experienced that amongst our friends. We've experienced that in our church and they are very, very painful times. Why do some people get relief of their pain when they're suffering endless pain? Why is it that some people... A young you know, or a couple can be praying that they would be blessed with the gift of a little child and God allows them to conceive and bear a child and yet other committed Christians, equally earnest, following and, and, and wanting to walk after Jesus can see that request denied. Hard, hard issues of life. Why is it that sometimes God says yes and God says no? Well, today I first want to give, um, I suppose, a couple of reasons. And there'll be a hundred reasons because God deals with us all individually. And if you're going through a hard time now, I apologise if these seem trite because they're not necessarily the answer. They're an example of how we can keep pushing through our own circumstances to see God in the midst of where we are, in the midst of our pain. So I want to look at two reasons first, possible reasons. And then... More importantly, to look at ways that we can move forward when God puts a stop in front of us. Well, firstly, God may say no because he's got... Well, God always has a bigger perspective. God says no when he has the biggest perspective. God can see the whole picture. We see just a limited point of view. God can see what he is doing and creating. We can only see the mess often the ugliness and the brokenness of our lives 
a little bit like the image of a tapestry. Lynn used to do some fantastic tapestries, really fine tapestries. At the end of them, they would be framed in a picture and put around our house. And at the end of it, you'd look at these tapestries and from the top side, the tapestry looked absolutely fantastic. But with all due respect to my wife's tapestry skills, you look at the underneath of it, it's absolute mess. About as messy as my room was before I got married. It was absolute disaster. And you look at it and you think, what am I looking at here? Turn it over and you see the beauty of what has been created. And in many ways, God is able to see us and journey with us in the ugliness of our lives, in the ugliness of our lives and in the confusion of our lives. God knows all about us. Everything about us is laid bare and he sees both the underneath, but he also knows what he is doing in our lives as we come to him in these hard situations and seek to be refined, to mature, to grow, to be more like Jesus. It's an old chorus that goes something like this, something beautiful, something good. All my confusion he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and pride, but he made something beautiful out of my life. That's what God's wanting to do. And there's no doubt about that. And God also has a bigger perspective, but God also has a better plan. The problem is that when we pray, we often don't just tell God what we'd like to happen in our lives. We often want to tell him how to do it. God, this is what I want and I want it now. And our solution for God is always the easiest, uh, the most comfortable, the most pain-free and painless way of him pouring his blessing out of my life. But we need to remember that God is not a genie in a bottle. God is not some kind of prayer poker machine that we walk up, we say our prayer, put that in the slot, so to speak, push the button or pull the lever or whatever you do with a poker machine and bang, instantaneously, there's the answer. Our problems are solved. God's way of doing things are bringing about a better plan, the better plan that he has. And God's not in a rush. After all, Abraham waited 25 years for even the start of him becoming the father of a great nation. 25 years from the time that Abraham was given that promise until Isaac was born, and that was just one little baby. Noah waited 120 years to see the ark start to float. Moses was 40 years in the wilderness being prepared. And so we have an issue. We live in an increasingly impatient world an increasingly impatient society where everything is meant to be instantaneous and yet God is not in a rush because God wants to grow us and refine us and so perhaps you're going through an experience of life now a frustrating time in life and you're waiting on God for a whole range of things perhaps you're seeking long-term employment or perhaps you're seeking a life partner Someone will be, you'll be able to share your life with for the rest of your life. Perhaps it's freedom from pain or healing or whatever it is. I want to encourage you to see God in the journey and to remember that God's plan is a perfect plan because the writing of, uh, of Jeremiah is so true. 
God's plan is to prosper us and not to harm us. And their plans to give us a hope and a future. God is on our side. God has a better plan. As some will know, May last year, so 18 months ago, I had my second knee replacement. And I tell you what, they're going great. They're going great. Thanks, thanks for asking how it was going. No, going really well. But also some will know that eight days after that operation, I lost the total hearing in my left ear. I was still in rehab. Total hearing gone. and It was the most bizarre experience. I was finished a day of rehab. I was lying in my bed watching TV. And within 15 seconds, the hearing went. Total hearing in my left ear. I could feel it going. It was like the volume going down. Click. Gone. Now, the fancy name for it is sudden sensio neuro hearing loss, right? Just means you've lost your hearing suddenly. Um, but as I've had brain scans since, and yes, I know there'll be some comments about that. Forget those. As I've had some brain scans since, they've also found that I have an acoustic neuroma, a benign tumour in my ear. Um, that, they don't believe, has caused the loss of hearing. They, because the tumour is not big enough to be impacting the hearing nerve. So they're two associated things. But in all of that, after all these tests, I've been passionate about my prayers. And I know some of here being very faithful, praying that my healing and my hearing would be restored, completely restored. And I haven't got my hearing back yet, but I still believe it's going to come. God's in the process, in the meantime, of doing a better work in me. And let me tell you a story. Um, straight after that, I was waking up in the middle of the night, about 2 a.m. every single morning, every morning, and, uh, and crying out to God for healing, for restoration of my hearing. Just crying out because it was so off-putting. You know, it uh, takes a while to get used to the fact you can hear in this ear and you can't hear the others. Um, some other people might experience that here. But I was crying out to God every night, passionately asking that God would restore my hearing. And these words came to me, and I believe they're words of God. They were saying, Brian, you're passionately crying out for me to restore your hearing, and your hearing is important to me. I've got that under control. But I want to take you on a journey. I want you to just be passionately praying for other things that are on my heart as you are about the restoration of your hearing. That's not the answer I really wanted at the time, let me tell you. And yet as I continued to wake up, I found that God would, in the middle of the night, start to lay matters on my heart to pray for. Praying about things in my own life, things in the life of our family, things in the life of our church, about the mission of our church. And I've just seen so much of God's work in my life, so much so that over this past 18 months or so, the, the hearing in my left ear, I can rejoice that God has deepened my faith as I've trusted in him. Do I want my hearing back? Too right. If you're standing on this side of me and you're talking to me, you'll understand that I've got to turn around like this and ask you what you said. But would I have rather had this last 18 months with a miracle on day one when my hearing was restored or to be where I am now, journeying with God, growing in what he's doing in my life and being open to what he wants to do further. 
I wouldn't trade it for, the, for anything. I'm so thankful to God for this journey because God's picture and God's journey is a bigger one. As Leonie said this morning, God can take these hard times as he prunes us, as he refines us to, to bring good out of hard times. So I visited the ENT specialist just a couple of weeks ago because I've got to have these now um, scans, brain scans. Every year he, uh, I walked into his office and he said, oh, I've got some good news. That, um, that tumour has not grown at all. And I said to him, Neil, that is good news in a way. I don't want to sound ungrateful. I'm thankful that it hasn't grown, but I'm a little bit disappointed because, as you know, I'm praying for a full healing. I'm praying that that tumour would be taken away completely and my hearing will be destroyed, uh, will be restored. And uh, he knows, obviously, he knows I'm a Christian. He's not. And he said, oh, Brian, it's good to deal with a pathological optimist. Pathological optimist, he said, because the chances of that happening are almost nil. And as I reflected on that, we're all called to be pathological optimists. Why? Because we worship a God for whom nothing is impossible. We worship a God who loves us and who has amazing plans for our future. We worship our God who says, ask and you will receive. So we should be going through life as pathological, compulsive for another word, compulsive optimists. Our lives have always got to be glass, half full lives because we worship a God of abundance and a God of blessing. And I keep praying for the uh, day when I walk into uh, Neil's rooms and, and hold up a scan and say to him, look at this, talk to me from the left side. Let me tell you about a miracle working God. But in the meantime, I'm enjoying this deeper journey. See, God's not in a rush to grant our every need. He's more, he's more concerned with our character and our refinement and us growing to be like Jesus than he's about a quick fix in our lives. And we need to remember that he has all of eternity to fulfill his promises. So often we go through this life just thinking that what we're experiencing is all there is. If God doesn't restore my hearing in this life, I know it will be restored in the life to come. God has got all eternity to fulfill his promises. And our light and our momentary troubles, so right, um, to, in, in uh, Paul said, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so we fixed our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. Friends, let's keep that view on eternity. The second thing I want to do very quickly this morning is to say, how can we approach life when God says no? When it's apparent that God has said no, the first thing we can trust that God does everything in goodness and love. God cannot do anything that is vindictive or is evil or unloving. That's God, not God's nature. God is love. God is a definition of love. Psalm 25, 10, all the ways of the Lord are loving. And in a verse we've probably reflected on this week, um, in our 40 days. 
in everything, not just in some things, not just in the good things, but in everything. God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And we need to be prepared in this moment when Satan at different times tried to come and say, well, Brian, where's your healing God now? Well, hang on a minute. My healing God's where he was before this whole event. God is doing another work in my life and we need to be able to be prepared to repel those doubts that come and want to undermine either God's power or God's character as a God of love. And then when in pain... We can pray what Jesus prayed facing the cross. When we had communion last week, we looked at that, that passage about Jesus um, falling on the ground as he headed to the Garden of Gethsemane and, and saying, Lord, please, if it's possible, take this cup, this cup of suffering away from me. He's really saying, God, if there's another way, Father God, if there's another way for you to save mankind rather than me going to the cross, I'm happy for that. Take this cup of suffering away from me. Then he went on to say, but not my will, but yours be done. And right here in this passage is a great model for us when we face these situations in life where God seems to say no. The first one is to affirm God's power. God, all things are possible for you. All things are possible for you. The second thing is to ask with passion. Please give me what I ask, Father. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. We can be honest with God. We can be saying, I don't want to go through this, Lord. If there's another way to do it, please do it be pouring our heart out before God because God is our father, he's our daddy, he's our friend. His spirit dwells within us as our comforter. But then we can accept God's plan. However, not my will be done but yours, Lord. What a wonderful model for us. Actually, that was my little reflection verse today. I don't know who's up to day 20 in our, in, our, um, in our 40 days, but exactly this one here. And then three, expect God to give his grace to handle the answer. God will give us his grace to handle the answer. The Apostle Paul didn't get a yes to all his prayers. We know very well that Paul had this uh, thorn in the flesh. We don't exactly know what it was. But it was a lifelong problem that caused him great pain. And so he prayed three times to the Lord and asked him to take it away. But the answer was, my grace is all you need. For my power is greatest when you are weak. So says Paul, I gladly boast about my weaknesses. That is my pain and my problems and my, and my difficulties. So that Christ's power can flow through me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Friends, I want to leave it there today for us to meditate on. When God puts a red light up there and you perhaps feel like you're there now, you've got this stop there. Come and affirm God's power. Pour out your heart to God. But then say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you that you're doing a work in my life. You're weaving a tapestry out of my life that I can't see here. 
But one day in eternity, it will all be made clear because you're a faithful, faithful God. And I thank you for this journey that you're taking me on. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we do want to praise you and thank you that you are a God of love. Everything about you cries out about the fact that you loved us. Lord, nothing stopped you demonstrating that love. The cross shouts that out to us so much. Father, you made us in your image, but you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross that through that death we might take hold of life. We might be forgiven. We might have purpose. We might have significance. And Father, thank you. And thank you that we can trust you with our future. Yes, even in the hard situations of life. Lord, you are weaving something out of that. And what you call us into is a greater level of trust to know that you are refining our character and you are producing something which is refined as pure as gold. Lord God, what a privilege it is to know you and to journey with you and to experience your love day by day. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.